Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 25, We Forget Because We Must. This week, we're discussing season 2, episode 12 of Buffy, Bad Eggs, and season 2, episode 10 of Doctor Who, Love and Monsters. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, so back to Buffy this time. Um, yeah. Coming back after you were explaining before about um, that this is the first episode back after the sort of winter hiatus that they have. Right, um, right. So there's been a little bit of a break, and actually... Um, to reveal some behind the scenes things, there was a little bit of a break for us personally. <laughs> we took a week off in order to finish our philology midterm papers um, with Mythgard. And uh, so we've had a little two week yeah. vacation too. Yeah, we've had a little more time to ruminate this Yeah, this than, time than normal. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, we uh, remember what happens <laughs> in the episodes, can have a good discussion. Well, and I, and I did, I well, and I actually just rewatched both of them within the last couple of days. So you did. I didn't. I haven't watched them in like a week. So yeah, I'm going to be reaching uh, a little bit. But well, it's all right. I did. I did watch them both twice. So I think think I'm pretty good. But I think we're good. At, at least they weren't like hugely mythological, you know, exactly, stories. Both yeah. of them were kind of one shot deals. One off. Although, yep. um, that's not to say there's nothing good in them, and certainly we'll talk through it, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were kind of talking about how um, to start with Buffy. This episode, you know, does maybe feel a little bit lighter coming off of some of the really mythological and character driven episodes that we've had lately. But um, and even like Ted, which isn't particularly mythological, but was hugely important in terms of Buffy's character. Um, and and in terms of Buffy's character but also Joyce like yeah which yeah. this one as well we yeah get, we'll get yeah that's later. true that's true even though we've had a break um if you if you watch them back to back you see that both of them are about the relationship between Buffy and Joyce which mm -hmm. is kind of interesting um that they're kind of because you would think normally they would want to spread those things out like if you have an arc right. over the course right. of a season maybe you want to place your Joyce episodes like periodically throughout the, the season or something. So it's kind of interesting that we're getting two kind of Joyce heavy episodes back to back. Hmm. Um, but we don't want to start with characters. We want to start um, with the monster. Yes. Um, so Which I, the, the, that's right. Um, well, monster, uh, the a monster, the primary monster. <laughs> we'll yeah. start with, the, the real well is it a real monster because this is the question like it's another one of these ones which we get all the time in doctor who and we do get occasionally in buffy too where the monster isn't necessarily that monstrous it, it's not really mm. evil in a sense it's um it's a parasite and not only that but it's a parent you know defending and of defending its children and multiplying, yeah. you know, so can you really call that 
it's more of an animal than anything else, I guess. Well, I mean, it depends on what your definition of monstrous is, I suppose. I mean, certainly you can't deny that there's some really creepy scenes in this episode and, and just the idea of it um, has been an enduring idea and you're going to get a little history lesson here. Okay. This is um, obviously some parallels here to, uh, some some pretty common tropes, I think, in in sort of horror literature and movies. Um, the whole sort of parasite alien uh, thing goes back a while. Uh, perhaps um, most famously, or at least the beginning of it is is really with Robert Heinlein's book, The Puppet Masters, which uh, is basically just this it's it's a alien species comes to earth they they call them the slugs um Mm. so you know kind of have this slug-like look and they attach i want to say it's more like base of the neck like you know direct line into your brain kind of thing rather Mm -hmm. than these ones seem to be lower down on your spine Maybe it doesn't really matter. They <laughs> attach exactly, but anyway. So it's um, always it's always to your nervous system somehow. Yeah, I guess. yeah, exactly. Well, and and so of course one of the things that Heinlein did so well, um, he wrote his book at the beginning of the fifties, and and he sort of tied it into the, to the political ideas of um, the Red Scare. You know, the 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 ideas of communism, and and sort of um, as we see in this Buffy episode you know, sort of the, the communal aspect of it, right. The loss of individuality, the, mm. um, you know, just sort of that, that fear in the fifties of, you know, communism, socialism taking over the world and people losing their individual identity. Um, something that continued to be a theme, um, and probably in a visual medium, um, is most recognizable in, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is uh, actually not based on Heinlein's book, but based on a book that was a ripoff of Heinlein's book <laughs> called <laughs> The Body Snatchers. Um, but very similar premise, aliens and um, sort of metaphors for communism and, and all of that. Uh, and yeah, there have been a number of other ripoffs adaptations. So there was The Body Snatchers, which was a novel that came out a couple years after Heinlein's, which became Invasion of the Body Snatchers as a movie. There was another movie called The Brain Eaters, which Heinlein actually sued because it was so blatant, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, plagiarism from his story. Um, there have been a number of TV shows, The Outer Limits, Star Trek, um, obviously Buffy as well now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that that have done episodes along a similar theme. Um, there was actually a direct adaptation of Heinlein's The Puppet Masters um, starring Donald Sutherland two years after Donald Sutherland was in the Buffy movie. So, you know, another close connection <laughs> okay. there. Yeah. Um, I, not that they didn't, neither the, of those movies had anything to do with each other other than the fact that Donald Sutherland was in both of them. But <laughs> anyway, um, and then the faculty was yes, uh, the faculty <laughs> was, was was um and actually would have been and I I'm sorry the date of this particular episode is escaping me but I want to say would have been the same year or within like yeah a year yeah pretty of, close of of each other so um, and of course that's uh you know another one where you school faculty taking over by aliens mm-hmm. you know 
parasites. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and it's different. So I, and I was thinking about this because like we've seen, um, well, the, the episode that Anthony head was in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but that was a little different, I think. Right. Cause that was like the aliens right. posing as the teachers. posing as people, not right. that aliens were kind of parasitically taking people over. Right, um, right, but, but it still has that same the teacher, the faculty right, are right. are out to get you, yeah. Right, right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe Doctor Who does have an episode. I mean, e- either it must cl- either classic Who or yeah. or you know the new Who um, could very easily have an episode like this, and it would I'm sure fit alongside. So I'd you be know, and, shocked if it didn't. Yeah, and and. I mean, this isn't the first time that we've seen sort of classic ideas and classic tropes creep in. We we talked about, um, you know, like with Frankenstein and mm-hmm. and 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 that um, uh, Moloch. Moloch. Moloch was yeah. the other one. Yes, yeah. Thank you. I was trying to think of that, and um, you know, and we'll see other ones too. Like as with Doctor Who, where you've noted before, where we kind of get these sort of classic monsters explained in in sort of pseudo um science uh, slash modern fantasy sorts of ways mm-hmm. um same same kind of thing here it's yeah. it's i don't know that we ever get the idea that it's an alien do we i, I forget exactly when because of, of these uh, ones of, of this particular one i know giles is looking up in his book i, I can't remember do they explain it as an alien or a demon and I, I think a demon i think she it, says it's a let me get to my notes here. I think it, she says it's a prehistoric demon. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, I mean, again, slightly different from sort of the classical. Right. Uh, well, classical from the yeah. 1950s. Uh, <laughs> you know, portrayals of these. There, actually, there was another novel I forgot to mention, Starspawn, that was like this, but in a medieval setting. So, like, same same idea, aliens come from the stars and take over bodies but it's medieval kind yeah. of i don't know if i'll read that one or not <laughs> i probably won't um but anyway yeah okay so they explain it as a demon which again i think i've said this before and if i haven't i don't think i'm giving away anything to say that sort of you know continue thinking about what it means to be a demon i mean we've already sort of talked about like with angel like does being a vampire how is that different from being a human? Like, Mm. you know, sort of metaphysically, is there something different or is there something not so different about vampires and, and vampires being sort of the stand in for all types of demons. So Mm -hmm. like you were saying, like, this is more sort of an animal kind of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, is this, is demon the right word or is it right? Yeah. It's just sort of a natural thing. Um, Yeah. Because, well, there's that kind of one line when, um willow says when she's under the influence and you and they don't we know she is but they don't buffy and xander don't know and um they're talking about the the health teacher and she Mm -hmm. says uh you know it's possible that he wasn't harmed you know and she starts to explain maybe maybe they're just using him for whatever and xander goes yeah and what and like that's when they're like okay why are you rationalizing right the demon like why are you defending and and then of course you realize it's because she's you know taken over so then okay so then that's the 
the egg talking or the mother talking that it's mm -hmm. it's defending itself it's saying we're not hurting people we're just using them to harvest the eggs um so it's really just a a mother you know getting taking care of her young um and i'm trying to think like they don't really hurt anyone in the episode do they i mean they take over they they take them over and who's to say what would have happened but pretty much they just get everyone to do some slave labor to like dig yeah. out the mother and and pull out the eggs and but in a way that's almost scarier isn't it it's like yeah. it's you're still alive but not in control of yourself, exactly right it's yeah. that's that's sort of the the creepiness aspect of it and and you know and again sort of in that political context of the 1950s when when these sorts of stories seem to flourish <laughs> you know that's that's where you get the the you know sort of the the um the intrigue or whatever you know the, the the thing that people can't seem to bear is is that idea of losing their their individuality so yeah, yeah. like like you're right like i mean nobody has any la well we don't know what happened to that teacher per se but no one seems to really have any lasting damage at the end oh it was a gas leak we'll be okay Just, yeah you know suck some oxygen that was great at the end when giles was telling everyone that it's a gas leak and then yeah. oh, don't worry about it what what was it he had like no idea <laughs> yeah, yeah but um, he knows it's not a gas leak he knows it's something right he knows he's clearly not it's you know he's reverting to sort of his watcher training or something to yeah you know come up with a not so original story yeah <laughs> um but yeah no i think uh I think in a way, like you're right, because like they, nothing really bad happens to them. But it's not about what it's not about whether you're dying or you just yeah. might have sore arms from carrying rocks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's 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 about that loss of yeah. Will. It's still it's still enslavement. You know? Yeah. I mean, who's to say that they wouldn't have? You know? Again, not that it. Even if they let them go in a day, that doesn't excuse the taking yeah. over. But like, but, who's to say that they wouldn't have gone on to conquer the world? You know, right, like, right, right. Why yeah, stop I, with the Sunnydale High School? I mean, the implication is certainly. I mean, there's some talk about procreation and and sex and and all of that kind of stuff. But um, you know, we get to kind of the the humorous conversation in sex education class. But yeah, you know, the biological imperative is to expand and expand and expand yeah. right yeah. and it's it's you know that the parasitical nature of it is that they probably would continue going more and more because eventually you would assume these little bezoars or whatever they're called would <laughs> grow up to be bigger ones and they would also want to have their you know young yeah. continue and yeah and so yeah, you don't, you don't... And it doesn't really seem... They don't really seem physically capable of looking after themselves. Like, they need a human host to Yeah, do I mean, we, get, we get the one that scurries around Buffy's room a bit. That's but true, we don't, that's true. Yeah, we yeah, don't know, like, to, how, yeah. how long that would have lasted. Like, could it have survived indefinitely on its own? Or would it have had to have found a host right. eventually at some point? We don't... I mean, and, yeah... I'm not sure that 
that's too important. It's just kind mm. of the idea seems to be for whatever reason, this is their goal to get onto a person and make that person do something that seems to be a collective action. Like they, you know, the people were definitely working in concert. Like there was no communicate, like the communication seemed to be happening maybe telepathically between the aliens. Like there wasn't right. really any communicate except for when Willow says kill them. Right. See, which let's face it, that seems totally unnecessary at that point. Like I think, yeah, you know, the aliens would have all sort of come to that conclusion on their own without Willow vocalizing it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but you know, that's, I, you need it for exposition. We need to hear it. Yeah, yeah. 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 The audience needs to hear it. Um, I thought it, before I forget, I thought it was interesting. Um, the choice of the name Bezor. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's actually a thing. Um, and I was trying to remember it and I had to go and look it up and everything. Um, there's sort of mythologically what it meant. And then there's also, um, what it means sort of medically. Um, and neither of which seem to have a lot to do with the monsters in the episode. I feel like it's like a nice word that they chose, but, um, unless maybe you can think of something. Um, so a bezoar is, um, if you look it up online is any mass that's found in your gastrointestinal system, usually in your stomach. So medically, um, they refer, a bezoar is like if you get, if you swallow a foreign matter and have it like stuck in your intestines or your stomach, mm. that's a bezoar. So like a, a ball of hair, for instance, or something that you've swallowed. Um, in, mythologically, um, I don't know how far this goes back, whether this is ancient or medieval or whatever, but animal bezoars were sometimes thought to have magical properties such as healing powers. Um, mm. So the the word bezoar apparently comes from Persian to expel poison. So, um, you know, so you would, I, I guess, ingest, or I think they would like crush up a bezoar, like an animal bezoar, and that would take care of whatever like poison, whatever, pretty much, like crush up a hairball and whatever poison you had, it would, you know, <laughs> supposedly restore you. Um, yeah. And the reason I know this is thanks to Harry Potter, because that's what Harry learns about in his first um, uh, potions class is what a bezoar is. And when Ron Swall accidentally is poisoned in book six, Harry goes in a drawer and gets a bezoar and shoves it down his throat. And there you go. Hmm. So, um, I thought that was kind of, I, I was trying to feel like bezoar. That sounded familiar as we were watching it. And then I was like, I think I know what that is, but, uh, I had to go look it up and then I couldn't really think of any, it doesn't seem like they kept any of those, um, folklore significances yeah. to it. Except the only thing that kind of made me think of it was, when the egg first hatches, which is like really, really scary, when the egg first hatches and you get that long spindly, you know, tentacle, but then it's like many fingered, like it, it just is like a little, you know, twig. And then suddenly you realize it's got these three like long fingers and oh, it's nasty. And it seems like it's going towards Buffy's face. And then you see her wake up the next morning and I almost thought, oh my God, did she like, swallow it or something like it's like you're not Mm. sure where it went 
And you get yeah. the idea that maybe she ingested it. And, I mean, she didn't. We find that out later. But that, ugh, something about the swallowing <laughs> maybe made me think of yeah. the Bezoars. No, but I just yeah. thought that was a funny choice of name. I Yeah. Some names have more meanings than others. In, yeah, and in sometimes you just and, and sometimes you just need a good word for something. Yeah, and it I mean it very easily could have been something like like someone's like, Oh, I remember there was like this word like Bezoar I heard one time. That's kind of a cool name. Let's have Exactly. Yeah. You know. Um and and so it sort of takes on its own meaning. Yeah, and um, they're they're taking a and, and adapting it to something new, but I just thought right. It was so. It was interesting because the word that has a nice ring to it, so I think it works. Yeah, definitely. So, um, let well, uh, I mean the monsters are cool, sort of, but not terribly important. Like in this particular episode, other than to talk about mm-hmm. Buffy and Joyce. Well, primarily. before we do that. Speaking oh, of sorry. monsters, we have Monster B, which is the gorgeous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we want to make sure to acknowledge them. Um, y- yeah. Um, I mean, they are the the red herring monster, right? Like, they're what you, they, right. you know, they bookend the first scene as Buffy taking, I'm, I don't know their names. Lyle. Lyle. Um, taking him out in the arcade. And then, mm-hmm. and him saying it's not over, and mm-hmm. and the whole time you're waiting for it to not be over, and then at the end he sees her, you know, looking completely awesome, you know, with her axe right. and covered in covered like, in bezoar bile, like yo, <laughs> and then he doesn't even even need to fight her. He just says, "All right, it's over," yep. um, and so like they're there to sort of mislead you and misdirect your attention where you think they're the threat, but really they're just there to demonstrate how awesome Buffy is at this point. She doesn't yeah. even, need, even need to fight him at the end. Right. Right. And yeah, no, I mean, it's, I don't think we ever really get a reason of why they're there in Sunnydale. Um, Mm-mm. You know, the, the, the sort of presumptive reason is to help them out through them. Because you know, everyone, like, yeah, right. everything right. is coming to Sunnydale, yeah. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, you, you know, but the, this is this is also an example of, like, we find out what they were like before they were vampires. And right. they were pretty bad guys then, too. So, yeah. you know, again, there's that question of, is becoming a vampire... Yeah, okay, so there's a demon that sets up inside you, but clearly there's a certain personality that sticks along. So how much, again, is the person versus the vampire? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, I think there's there's that aspect to it. And, yeah, they're just kind of funny, hip, mm-hmm. red herring vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting part to me, and we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, was... How, whether Angel knew about mm-hmm. them, because clearly they know Angel yeah. by recognition, uh, and and Angelus, I think he calls them <laughs> versus Angelus. Um, but uh, yeah, you know they 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 seem to know Angel. So there's some question there about you know how do they know Angel? Like, is it but just by reputation, or 
uh was there some more of a relationship like mm-hmm. he had with spike and drusilla before uh and 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 uh darla even yeah you know before he was cursed um so yeah so there's some good good questions there about what's uh Mm-hmm. what's happening so interesting stuff um, yeah and but, i think are we is that something we'll find out more about later did are we going to find out more about lyle and what his relationship to angel might be or um, or is he well, just like a recurring minor villain or something yeah i and maybe we need to i just mean wait and see I don't know that we, well, I, I don't want to give away too much. I, I guess I would, I would just say, I don't know that we find out a lot more about like if Angel and the backstory. Yeah. 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 I don't, but, um, I mean, I'll say this. Lyle Gorch is a vampire that has two names. So, you know, <laughs> it would not be unprecedented to perhaps possibly see him again. Uh, we won't um, see tech. Unlike poor Colin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, Colin. <laughs> it kills me that you still know his name. Um, Never the, gonna forget Colin the, the Vampire. <laughs> you should, yes, erect a memorial to yeah. Colin. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Tector, he's dust. So, you know, uh-huh. well, actually, did we see him get dusted or did we just sort of see him get pulled into the... I think he um, just gets pulled in. Yeah, but I mean, we don't. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. The, the implication is he's dust inside the bezoar belly. Yes. Um, and, but yeah, no, I mean, Lyle runs away. He's a vampire, has a couple names. Wouldn't be unprecedented. Wouldn't be. Yeah, we see him again. Okay. Um, but, you know, I mean, you can't always necessarily consider that. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, if you don't see them die on screen. You can safely assume yeah. 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 There's you you may see them again. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, so yeah, so thank you. We we did need to just sort of at least acknowledge that the gorches were there. Um but you're right, they're they're kind of red herrings. They're they're B villains. They um even at one point, I mean, they're kind of fighting not with Buffy, but you know, it's the common enemy kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well they show up for their showdown just in time to help <laughs> her fight off all the yeah. 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 How convenient that there's two vampires here who are super strong and can also beat up the people around us. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So anyway, but, but yeah, no, I think if we can get beyond the monsters and into the characters, Mm -hmm. this is, I don't think there's any doubt that this is another episode of Buffy and Joyce's relationship. Um, This time, not focused on kind of, because before um, with Ted, it was all sort of centered around um, their relationship to a third party and kind of how that affected their relationship. Now right, it's right. more more direct, more um, their relationship with each other. And of course, the recurring theme of motherhood throughout the episode mm-hmm. highlights that that mother or or at least parent child relationship, mother daughter relationship, and and the idea of responsibility right from the beginning with Buffy supposed to be picking up, you know, a suit and going off. Oh, mm-hmm. let me guess. It had something to do with a boy. Well, technically that's true, <laughs> but you know, it, it really uh, like technically true, but honestly couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
but you know, and of course the funny part being there is Buffy totally used that. Oh honey, you said you were never going to cheat again. You know, like, yeah. like, so even she like is kind of, I mean, again, technically, Playing into it, yeah. technically true, but you know, not, not even close to being actual true. And I kind of uh-huh. like that about, I mean, speaking of, like, responsibility, I mean, not only is Buffy responsible in a way that jo- Joyce doesn't realize, um, but on top of that, what I really like about her is that she, it, there's a new, there's another level on top of it because she takes the punishment for irresponsibility that she doesn't even deserve. Like, right. the, she, you don't get any railing against the unfairness or any protestations or any trying to defend her she just sort of because she knows that she has to protect Joyce from or she thinks she does has to protect Joyce yeah yeah. I mean maybe we'll find out whether or not that's good or not but um at this point she seems to have decided that Joyce doesn't need to know any of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, she, you don't get any of the, like, trying to convince her otherwise, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, she pretty much just lets Joyce continue to think that she's an irresponsible and shallow teenager, and right, that's okay I mean, for I- right now. Other than the sort of sarcastic, oh, you're saving the world from vampires? Yeah. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, like, yeah, yeah a little which, in jokey things, yeah. You know, um, obviously Joyce doesn't believe for a second and kind of gets irritated yeah. by. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think we haven't sort of talked about levels of knowledge in a while, but this is, I think we've seen a shift, right, from Buffy being exasperated by the fact that her mother doesn't know what she goes through to, actively protecting or mm-hmm. I don't, well, and I don't know if protecting is the right word. I think Buffy probably sees it as protecting, but yeah, I think you're right to question. Is she really protecting it um, or protecting her mother? But, you know, I think that's, I think we definitely can see that shift though, to, to say, yeah, Joyce doesn't know. And, I'm not going to be the one to spoil it for her. Like mm-hmm. it, there's not, there's not sort of that wish. Oh, if only my mother knew what I was going yeah, through. Yeah. She doesn't seem to be like, you know, kind of mooning over what, you know, Oh, I wish I could tell her or, or hinting at it. Like she's just being very straightforward right. about it. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. If I, if I make a mistake, I'm going to get in trouble. And that's, an occupational hazard and she takes it like a mature person. And even cause I mean, the things that she does aren't mistakes. You know what I mean? Like there, there are valid reasons that she just can't tell any, well, she can't tell Joyce anyway what they are. And of course, it's not the first time that we've sort of seen Buffy get chastised for responsibility. Giles has done it, but Giles knows what's going on. Mm hmm. You know, right, like, and then you do get the kind of more right. pouty, you know, exactly. well, I have an excuse kind of stuff you expect from the teenager. Mm-hmm. Whereas I um, feel like with Joyce, she's made that decision that, you know, and maybe that is a new thing. She seems to have made the decision that if, if I get called on it, I'm just going to take it and not even, you know, not even try to like say two words about it, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, there's the parallel where when Buffy becomes a mother of an egg <laughs> and her chagrin over being a single mother, I'm yeah. doomed to lead my mother's life. <laughs> How scary is that? Yeah. Um, of all the things to be scared of. Uh, yeah, no. And, 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 and the being put in, I mean, obviously, you know, watching over an egg is not nearly even close to being an actual mother, but, um, you, you know the 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 whole did I ask for bats backseat momming and you know, all <laughs> yeah. of that you, you know kind of like the 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 tongue in cheek uh, play between them where Joyce is sort of Rasner like uh, you know hold your egg keep you up all night and that kind of thing but um, oddly enough it did yes in fact yeah and, and it's it's affecting her although neither one of them knows at that point uh, yeah talking about knowledge. Um, so yeah, so like the 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 different levels there are 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 kind of interesting, and and then we've already again talked about the bezoar being a mother and mm-hmm. sort of the biological imperative that it's playing through, mm-hmm. or or the evil demonic plan that it has to dominate the world. We're not sure which. We don't and, know. <laughs> and is there a difference? Is there a meaningful difference between the two? Right. I mean, is sort of what it comes down to. Um. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like so I, um, I like Xander's version of parenting too. <laughs> oh yeah, he boils he boils his young. <laughs> you boiled your young. You boiled your young. Um, and and Willow's raising hers Jewish. Of course, so there you go. Yes, Tra- traditional. Yeah. Um, that yep. I mean, you couldn't expect anything different, I suppose. No. But um, the the <laughs> yeah. Oh well, okay, Xander. What can we say about Xander? <laughs> he, well, true to his form, he goes to eat the egg as well as boil it. So he's not only practical, but he's always hungry as usual mm. and doesn't mind apparently failing what seems to be the easiest school assignment you could ever hope to get just because he wants to eat his egg. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he definitely... I do like his kind of just absolute disregard for anything other than his immediate (laughs) comfort. Well, and I like, you know, Giles. Oh, well, I suppose there is a sort of Machiavellian ingenuity to your transgression. And Xander's like, what? Like, there's... (laughs) That's, like, giving him credit for way too much thought. (laughs) No, that's not not Machiavellian at all. No, it's, it's, you know, stomach... Avellian, yeah, um, stomachiavellian. Yes. <laughs> um, oh wow, that was horrible. But the, uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, Xander is all about the, the, the physical, of course, um, not just with his egg, but also with Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems to be kind of into it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. They're, they're still equally, fighting like cats and dogs. Equally into it and equally repulsed yeah um he can't he he can't stand her talking and she can't stand to look at him so they make a good couple (laughs) yeah sit in silence in the dark yeah well not sit anyway but yeah um and I, i like how the the love triangle has shifted buffy's out of it now and it's kind of shifted over to court so now it's like uh I think I didn't catch this till the second time because the first time I was taking notes, but the the first time 
when the teacher dismisses the class and they go to get their um, partners mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Z- uh, Willow goes for Xander and he uh. doesn't notice her and Xander or ignores her and Xander goes for yeah. Cordy who definitely ignores him and so like it's still that um, you don't see who's closest to you thing but it's sh- it's yeah. shifted now and you know yeah no that's the a great... dynamics changed a little bit that's a great point which I mean presumably Willow has Oz at this point Right. Um, you know, so, I mean, I know we haven't seen him in a couple episodes, but I don't think we're meant to think that that has gone away. Yeah. Um, but you're right. She, she does go after him. And I, I don't think. I mean, Xander, it's just a partner. It doesn't, it, she just is looking right, for a partner, but, but. I mean, yeah. they're talking about sex. They're talking, you know, they're, this is. They're a, parenting a, a, together. A parenting yeah. thing. I mean, it's, you know, there's significant undertones at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I don't I mean, I think Xander is if he ignores um, Willow, it's I don't think it's intentional the way that Cordelia. I agree with you. Ignoring yeah. Yeah. of him is absolutely, absolutely intentional. intentional yeah. Like it. Yeah, not even. Um, it's more like he's busy looking at Cordy and doesn't notice that Willow right, yeah, was looking no, at he's him. Yeah. Just like he was looking at Buffy, not noticing willow right over his shoulder yeah i mean and that's uh, yeah that's the pattern with xander it's 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 the continually looking away from what's right next to him Mm -hmm. which is basically what he says right you know being so he's even so focused on what he wants that he doesn't even recognize his own culpability in the issue yeah um yeah but no cordy like grabs the first guy so that she doesn't have to partner with Xander. Yeah, and right, right. Um, and and mm-hmm. I kind of like too at the end how um, there's that moment where they both want to apologize for having hit him, but seem a little too eager that they both hit him. And yeah. he, he says, "Yes, everyone hit me. Yes, like get in line." You know. Yeah. Well, according. Cordy's even like, well, I, di- I didn't want to be left out. Yeah, she's not <laughs> like, even really sure, but I hope I did because, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> they uh, definitely, I, you know, you have to wonder, like, I mean, for Xander being the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we sort of know why he's in it. Um, but Cordelia is a little more of a mystery as to what she's getting out of this. Out of, right. Right. Um, right. So I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts there. Like, I, 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 this is, I mean, for me at this point, um, if you would care to give your woman's perspective on the matter, but, okay. uh, you know, feel free. But, <laughs> it, you know, for me at this point, like, I, I, as a guy, I can totally see why Xander. Would yeah. you know be be into it even if he didn't wholly you know like Cordelia? I guess the other way seems strange to me. So what what are your thoughts here? Um, that? my thought would the the only way it makes sense to me because she could presumably be doing this with anybody else in the school. 
Right. So why Xander? So that's the question. It's not like yeah. I mean, it's and not we've like seen something... her with other guys. Like yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. There's no reason why it has to be Xander as opposed to he's not the only one, the only option. So I think it has to have something to do with what we've been noticing about her hanging around the group more. That there's, mm-hmm. it's not just him. Um, it's that group, and there's something that she's getting out of that dynamic that she's not getting from maybe her other friends or her other boyfriends, you know, Mm. that, so whether that is, whether she's kind of overlooking, well, she may not be thinking of it as Xander. She may be thinking of it as Xander is just a proxy for the group, you know, or else maybe there is some kind of, affection for Xander that she doesn't want to, you know, she may be overselling how much she doesn't like him because he's uncool and I'm cool and I don't want to be associated, you know, so she might be kind of protesting a little too much, or maybe she really doesn't like him that much, but, but is attracted because he's a part of this group, which she seems to be drawn to. And I, I mean, I think we've seen that more and more as it's gone on as she's becoming more and more one of the gang and less the the sort of popular comic relief who's there to just sort of remind them that they're not cool enough. <laughs> like, you know, now right, she's right. kind of in their group, but the misfit a little bit. Um, so that would be my guess at this point is like there's something about the team that's satisfying for her. And, and and that's the and, closest connection she can make. Yeah. To that. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe she doesn't know. You know. Okay. So if she is distancing from the cool crowd, maybe she's just so used to being with the guy that that's just what I do. Is you know I okay now I'm with this group now, but what I'm gonna do is be with the guy, you know, rather than Mm. just be one as just all be friends together. You know, there's like, gotta be like, you know, a, a, she might just be one of those people who can't, you know, stand to not be with somebody in that way. So if I'm transferring groups, I'm looking at Xander because he's the only one, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. And I don't, I mean, and I'm sure we're putting way more thought into it than, than she is. The characters yeah. themselves are. But yeah. I think that's like we talked about, like it would be easy to explain if it was just that once in the basement mm-hmm. under, you know, uh, dire circumstances. It's gone on now several episodes, which means several weeks, yeah. which means, you know, um, and they're finding that it's not like. They're just, oh, we happen to be in the same place at the same time and we're alone and there's nothing to do. They're right. finding reasons to be alone together. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. They're active, saying actively, we, we should go look in some closets. Right. 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 <laughs> oh, there, yeah. There could be closets. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, there could be, but okay. Um, <laughs> and I love, have you noticed the weirdness of them? <laughs> yeah. 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 Willow. Uh, great little line there. Little turn of so, phrase. I, you know, but I think that's, that's something that's always like each time I watch this through, that's always something that's sort of like, how does, how does it get beyond that sort of the initial, um, you know, the initial, uh, emotion driven portion to it. And, 
And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I still don't know, even after everything you said. And I was listening <laughs> intently, trying to understand it. But I, you know, whatever. Um, it's happening. Yeah. We'll move on. Okay. Um, and in like a minute here, we'll literally move on to the next show. Um, <laughs> any anything else you wanted to talk about? We kind of we talked about Buffy and Joyce and and Xander and uh, Cordy here. Um, I mean Giles. I don't know that there was a whole lot from him this episode. Same yeah, with not Angel. so much. I mean, we got a kind of a nice little moment where he sort of um well i mean he's under the he he's taken over by the parasite so i don't know that we can believe anything necessarily but they seem to and, still have their personalities know, we don't know when. at what point he's taken over versus yeah. others where we do we can come closer to pinpointing right well um, i'm thinking of that scene with joyce where mm-hmm. he seems to be by the end it seems like he's been um the whole time but again right. we're, we don't really see it for sure but he gets that little line about feeling like he has children it's kind of nice to hear giles you know mm-hmm. talk about that sort of feeling of affection for the that they're not just the annoying kids he has to look after that he actually thinks of the group of them as you yeah. know well and it's sort kids. of that um uh, 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 an echo of that conversation with Snyder that, Oh, you really care about these kids. Don't you? I, yeah. Or you have faith in these kids or whatever yeah. it is. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. He's like, yeah. weird. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, no, it, but it is nice. Right. Cause it, it cause this is sort of uh candor between two adults. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, Joyce, you know, is, is maybe even a little more open than she should be to one of her daughter's teachers. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> like, no, I do want to say burden the yeah. things that yeah that parents are not supposed to say about yep. their kids. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting little exchange there. But then yeah, it's sort of it's tainted by the fact that we find out that Giles is being parasitic. Right. So the question becomes: is is that the parasite accessing Giles's? Um, true feelings you know is are, is there verisimilitude there like are is this actually what he feels and it's just the parasite using giles's actual emotions and mm-hmm. thoughts to convince joyce you know until he can plant a parasite on her or is it just the parasite making things up right or both right some some at some you know there could be some in between and it doesn't have to be 50 50 it could be you know yeah. 70 30 or something but um anyway yeah it's it's an interesting question there um, it is but no jenny this week so we don't get any more there no see where see where they're going nope last we knew she shot him with an arrow yes and they seem to be getting along again right right yeah all right. Is and that, not much from Willow, but again, like Giles, she was kind of Yeah, well she spends for, like most of the episode possessed pretty yeah, much. Yeah, a good a good portion of it, yeah, definitely. Um all right, well, then we shall move on to Doctor on. Who. Yeah. Where I want to talk about Mark Warren. <laughs> 
Okay. Who played Elton. Elton, I said it right. Elton, <laughs> not Ethan. I kept saying Ethan earlier, um, and that was annoying me. Um, Elton. Yes. Mark Warren. I like him. Yeah. Um, and I was really excited when I saw he was in this episode because I'm familiar with him from his work on Hustle, which was a very popular British show. Mm. Um, just ended last year at the beginning of 2012. Um, ran for like eight seasons, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark Warren was in the first four as Danny Blue. Uh, great, great uh, show there. I know it was pretty popular. I I think that it was probably one like his most popular role, at mm-hmm. least to date. Um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what else he's been in since then. Um, it looks like he's been in sort of one-off episodes like this Doctor Who episode mm-hmm. um, and a few other things. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely familiar. So it's yeah, maybe. I, I knew him from Band of Brothers. Um, okay. He plays, he's the, the that um, miniseries follows the same group of people. So you get, um, to know some of them very well, but each episode tends to focus on one character. Um, and he's sort of the lead of one of the episodes and, mm. um, really, really memorable from that because you spend okay. so much time in his head and he's the, the PTSD guy. He's the guy who parachutes mm. into Normandy and gets hysterical blindness and like forgets how to like, you know, use a gun and how to talk. And like, he just completely shuts down. Um, and it's really hard to watch. Um, so it's kind of then weird for me when I watched Doctor Who to suddenly be like, hey, isn't that that guy? But man, it's playing a different character. He's so yeah warm and funny and lovable in this compared to how sort of um, traumatized he is in that episode. So he's got okay. great, great range. And- and I've not um I've not seen Band of Brothers, so I didn't know him from that. Um Hustle is like he's definitely a little more goofy. I mean not mm-hmm. very in a different way than this. Um you know, Hustle is about hustlers. <laughs> you know, yeah. they 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 uh do long cons and that sort of thing. So I mean, you know, a different role from this, but certainly not sort of the weighty role. Right. Like there's that Band, that of, Band Brothers of Brothers, might. there's not an inch of comedy. In that mm, in that yeah, performance, well, yeah. yeah, for um, for that character, he's totally straight the whole time. So so um, he's demonstrated a nice range. I know that. And and then as I was thinking about it, it actually occurred to me, and and then I went and looked it up just to make sure I was right that this episode um, was sort of right in in the middle of uh, when he was on Hustle and okay. and probably gaining a lot of that popularity. Um, not, and not to say he was unknown before that. It, like, he did a bunch of stuff before that, including I found out uh-huh. that he was in a previous Doctor Who episode oh. in the in the late eighties. Oh, very um, nice. And he he's listed on Wikipedia anyway. I don't you know my deep research skills. Here. <laughs> um, he's listed as having been an uncredited extra in 1989. So right. I guess, I guess technically that's classic who that right? is classic is that? who. Yeah. So, um, spanning, squeaked, squeaked in right before they canceled it. Yeah. Spanning, uh, you know, classic and, and new who, which, um, obviously not the first one that we've seen even now to do that. And, mm-hmm. and I believe you've said there may be others, um, who, who will come across that have done that, but, 
Yeah. Um, not many not, though. That's an elite many. group. Yeah. And, and, and an unexpected one, um, I think mm-hmm. here, um, at least cer- certainly for me, cause I yeah. didn't know he would, I didn't even know he was in new who till I watched this episode, <laughs> but, um, and I certainly didn't know he was in classic who, but cool, cool yeah. little, uh, bit of trivia there, I suppose. But yeah. anyway, I, I just want to say, I really, I, I like him. I liked him. I thought he was great in hustle. Yeah. was really excited when I saw he was in this and I thought he did a fantastic job. And yeah. I, and I am going to come out and say, this is my favorite episode. Yet. Yes. All right. Um, that, I, that I, makes me excited to hear you say that. I, I mean, you know, not, that's not to say there haven't been some really good episodes, but mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed how this one was sort of the format the yeah. tone, the, the, the focus. But before we get into all that, okay. I believe you had some, I have things. some stuff to say because I, I want, this is what I want to tell you. And then I want you to tell me why you love it. So sure. Okay. So here we go. Production notes behind the scenes. We, we do need some context for this episode. Um, so uh, written by Russell Davies, the showrunner. Um, mm-hmm. So this is our first example of what is known in New Who, this is a New Who thing, of Dr. Light, um, which okay. the practical reason for Dr. Light is um, when they add in the Christmas special to the shooting schedule, it means that they have um, to shoot a whole extra, not only an extra episode, but an extra hour long, like a longer episode than normal. Right, right. Um, and they have the same amount of time in which to do mm. it. They don't get extra time to shoot the Christmas special. Okay. So what that means is that to make the scheduling work, they have to double bank episodes, which means that they have to shoot episodes at the same time. So okay. you'll have different units going, which means that your actors can only be in so many places right. at one time. So, and ironically, um, they can't travel back in time. Ironically, if, in if we had a TARDIS, time. if we had a TARDIS, right. David Tennant and Billy Piper could go shoot uh, something and then go back and do the day all over again somewhere else. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. we can't do that. So, mm-hmm. um, so they have to double bank these episodes, um, which means that by necessity, you have to have an episode in which the doctor and his companion don't do that much. Um, and they just sort yeah. of pop up for a couple scenes. Um, so this episode was shot at the same time as the impossible planet and the Satan pit. Um, uh. So that's the practical reason. So, you know, we're getting a few real world reasons why episodes have to be the way they are, you know? So yeah. Russell Davies is thinking, all right, I've got to write an episode where we don't have the doctor and Rose. What can that episode be like? Um, right. Now, in addition to that, the other stipulation, which uh, this episode has, was that um, there's a kids' TV show in Britain called Blue Peter, um, which is like a variety show, I think. Um, They do like, it's like a host-led, they have like skits and contests and things like that. Um, And they did a contest um, for people, for kids, to submit their... um, designs for monsters for doctor who and the winning monster got to be produced and 
written okay. and created for I think the I show. see where this is going. You see where this is going. The moral of the story is this is why you leave production design to the professionals, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> when you let a nine-year-old boy design your Doctor Who monster, what you get, you get is absorb the absorb-a-loft. Yeah. Not the greatest. Let's just no. come out and say it. So yeah. that's the other real-world practical concern is Russell's got to worry about Dr. Light, and he also has to work in this uh, absorbable off monster. Okay. Why they picked that one, only they can know. Um, so I want to transition from that into talking about the reception of this episode. Um, in my completely unofficial surveying of the <laughs> fandom, yeah, I would venture a guess and i don't know that you can definitively prove this but the mm -hmm. sense i get is that this is the most hated episode of new who what okay are you kidding me i'm not kidding you at all um there are other episodes which i feel like are let's say less loved in the sense that they're kind of boring or mediocre and so like okay. they're not bad but nobody picks them as their favorite this is one of those episodes that polarizes people. I don't think anyone feels middling on it. You either love it or you hate it. Wow. Um, and the majority hate it. <laughs> and that's wow. the way it is. Um, so there's that. Now, there is a hardcore group that do love it. Um, one great example is Paul Cornell, who wrote um, Father's Day. Um, mm -hmm. And... I found a quote on his blog where uh, I'm going to quote from that. He said, my favorite episode of Doctor Who is Love and Monsters. It broke format and that's always fun. But what was stunning about it was its depiction of fan culture as a vital, gorgeous force. Elton's mm. folk, the fans of the Doctor, were diverse, artistic, creative, supportive, and loving. So you do get, you do get support for this episode. Um, sure. And then indirectly, um, I think this is sort of an accident, but um, I would say, if nothing else, it's vital because it sort of indirectly sets up another episode, which will come later, um, which may be the most universally loved episode of New Who. Okay. Um, so we can maybe talk about that when it becomes relevant. Um, but there is a third camp, which is, I'll be honest, the camp I feel closest to, um, which is that it is a great episode up until those last, about the last 10 minutes, pretty much the time the Absorbal Off shows up. Um, and I'll, I mean, this is kind of how I feel. I love the Dr. Light. I think the, stu the story works really well. The structure's great. The characters are great. Um, it's really funny. It's got a lot of great stuff going on. And then that damn Absorbaloff just drags it down. Um, and I guess it, your mileage may vary as to whether or not that monster retroactively ruins the rest of the episode for right. you. I really do like most of it. Um, but I kind of put him with the Slovene in that it, this is... Well, it's just, and so did they. It, it's just an annoying... Yeah, exactly. I mean, they make reference to it in the episode. It, it's just... A, 
it, it's the example of Russell Davies occasional lapse into tastelessness. Um, and I say that loving the rest of the episode and loving most of the episode that he writes. So I'm not writing him off as a writer, but, um, you know, the, the humor is less than it could be. Um, and there's some other things I don't like about the end too. I'm not really a fan of, it seems a little out of character to me that the doctor preserves Ursula's face for all eternity in a slab of concrete. I, it, that, that bothers me a little bit, you know, mm. it seems like at least at this point in his character development, he's more of, of the philosophy that everything has its time and you have to let things go. Um, right. So there's some kind of character stuff that's a little iffy to me. Um, so, you know, minor complaints aside, um, it makes me really happy that you like this episode a lot because I think yeah. a lot of people dismiss it offhand as the one you can skip. And it's like, that's ridiculous because there's so mm -hmm. much, there is so much, you know, really good stuff in here. Um, yeah. Definitely. So, um, so I don't know if any of that, I assume all of that is new to you. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are, or if maybe you'd like to give your defense as to why this is one of the best, if not the best episode. So. Yeah, I did. So, okay. This for me, um, one I didn't know before I watched it any of that certainly um when i i I think I messaged you right after I saw it, yeah, uh, watched it for the first time, yeah. and I was like, I think this is one of the this best is, episodes I've this seen. this is my favorite episode, and, and I was like, are and you you're serious? like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't know if I was serious or joking, you're like, no, really, like, are you serious? I was like, no, yes i and and I explained that I like mark warren and 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 that um but just beyond liking that actor i thought it had a good structure and i enjoyed the the sort of the whole format and the tone and all all of that so um i think i mean i took from that that you were sort of implying that this was um a, a contested mm -hmm. basically what you were just explaining that there yeah. are those who do think it's the great and that there's no like sort of middle ground with this right. it's, you, you know you're it's a polemical uh sort of yeah. uh episode um i didn't know why i didn't i didn't know any of that about um the 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 doctor who light mm -hmm. so to speak um i mean you know i guess i sort of understand that although i guess i would also say like I mean, you know you're doing Christmas specials, so why can't you just schedule more time? Right. So, you, you know, I'm not an actor. I'm not a director. I, I guess for me, I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a money issue. It's a budgeting issue. I mean, it might be yeah. that they just you get the time you get, and that's it. But you know, I mean, to me, come on, it's freaking Doctor Who. <laughs> You can't tell me that you can't get more money to do a proper Doctor Who episode. And no, and, and I love this episode, yeah. so I'm not yeah. like like for me though, like the I I think just sort of 
as pure artistry, I would have preferred it to be like, no, we planned it this way and this is how it came out. And isn't it great? Like, okay. Happy accident. You know, uh, I don't know. I guess that, that part of it sort of annoys me a little bit because like, well, what would you have done if you had the doctor and Rose in it for the whole time? It wouldn't have been this episode. Yeah. But you know, know, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I really like that, that aspect of it because it's what right. what the show I think does um, is make lemonade out of lemons, and I think that most of the things in the show, which in my opinion are the most iconic and genius aspects of the show, are born out of limitations. So mm. we want so the, the the main actor wants to leave. What do we do? Well, we don't end the show. We recast him and we recast him in a totally different light. And so you can never, and the companions want to leave. So you get new companions. So you can never run out of character stuff and story stuff. It can always sure. keep going. Sure. And, and or like, you know, we don't have money for a spaceship. So we'll get a wooden blue box and that's the space. Like the best things that they do in the show are things that are, because of the limitations. And I think this is another example of, you know, the real world putting a limitation on a writer and him having to pull a rabbit out of the hat. And I think that this, and I won't deny that there may be future Dr. Light, there will be future Dr. Light episodes where Mm -hmm. the vice becomes a virtue and you get to, all right, if we have to have an episode um, without the doctor, how can we make that an interesting opportunity to do something interesting that we can't do if the doctor's there? Um, by yeah. virtue of the fact that he's not there, it becomes a different thing. And um, I really like that aspect of the show, that they, are, they have to be creative within the limitations that they're given. Sure. And, and I, I get that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I like the episode so much, so I would rather it have been more deliberate. Right. And who knows? <laughs> um, maybe it was. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe that's something that Davies had thought about in the past was, you know, what might the doctor's life look like from the perspective of the outsider? You know, I mean, and this is an opportunity to do that story. I mean, we don't know that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, sure, sure, certainly. So I guess going back to sort of what you were asking though, what do I like about it? What do I see as sort of the redeeming qualities of it and why I think it's one of my favorites. I mean, so just from a me perspective, I mean, um, you know, I tend to be, uh, the kind of guy who likes stories that are a little bit different. I liked, um, we, we did during, um, the, the Mythgard webathon, we, we talked about my favorite episode of Firefly, which is Out of Gas, which from mm-hmm. a storytelling perspective certainly is not your standard, you know, 42-minute drama yeah. structure. Um, so I think as far as that goes, that's just part of it. I just tend to like stories that have a little bit different structure to them. Yeah. And this one certainly does. Mm-hmm. Um, it You know, it starts in media res. You know, it, it, it it's... Um, 
you know, so I like, I like that aspect of it. I like, um, I actually kind of like the kitschy, uh, running around after the, the alien that the, we never figure the, out the Scooby-Doo. what it's the there. Scooby-Doo yeah, I love exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so I, you know, I, I, I kind of thought that was funny. Um, Rose grabbing the different colored uh-huh. bucket and that kind of stuff, but that's, I mean, that's just all window dressing. I, I really, from a, storytelling perspective i i liked the you know this is this is how i got to this point and then pushing past Mm. it as a as a sort of device um which i don't think we've really seen that in any other doctor who episodes they've been pretty linear yeah yeah um you know narratively so i i kind of like that um yeah like you get those he says ursula's name and then you just get the image of her screaming and then you don't know what that refers to until the end. And you don't know his name yeah. for like, I mean, not terribly long, but like five minutes into the episode yeah. or something, like before you even know his name. Right. So like, you're like, who is this guy? And why is he telling the story? And why am I getting these different perspectives? I like, I like this sort of um, the pseudo documentary, you know, type style. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not wholly consistent with it here, but then, you know if they were it would be the first time doctor who was wholly consistent with <laughs> yeah so um you know you can't fault it for that but you know like i mean i liked movies like district nine that sort of take that yeah. you know idea or or shows like the office whatever version you want to use yeah like um, a, a mockumentary kind of yeah 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 um and so i i like the sort of the piecing together of um, the perspective from Elton's perspective, or at least when the camera's following him, you know, in sort of a, an interested third party perspective versus following the doctor and mm-hmm. Rose um, or, you know, Mickey and, and, and certain other episodes and that kind of thing. Um, I like that we get more of Jackie's perspective yeah. to talking about, talking about learning more about mothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. You know, you know, you, you get the perspective of Jackie in this episode, um, which, you know, I haven't always said the nicest things about Jackie, but I, I never disliked her as much as I liked Mickey. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think you can definitely, you know, see what's going on here. I like um, I like the characterization of Elton. And, mm-hmm. and again, I've already said I like Mark Warren, but. I like how he plays Elton and I like how they wrote uh, Elton to be um, someone who is complex. He does have mm-hmm. different uh, ideas and different motivations pulling him sort of in different ways. Yep. And it's it's uh, a story about his growth, but also not, you know, but it's a subjective story about his growth. It's what did I learn, you know, through this experience? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I like how they show him sort of having that growth as he's putting together his own documentary. Like you get those moments where he's sort of off to the side, thinking about the story yeah. as he's telling it yeah. and coming to those realizations in the middle of the actual story. Um, yeah, I mean, like I whenever start talking about the actual story itself, yet. <laughs> yeah. this is just all how the story happens. Yeah. Um, you know, I there's some there's some great quotes. Um, obviously, the the one we pulled out for this episode, we we forget because we must. Um, but you know, there's 
and and that I mean every week we come up with great quotes. So I mean, you know, that I think that's just in both Buffy and Doctor Who, yeah. you know, you you just get good writing. Um some humorous stuff. Um the Absorbaloff maybe a little too kitschy. Mm-hmm. You know, but um you can sort of you can sort of forgive some of that um once you understand that it was written by a 9-year-old. Um <laughs> You know, the, the, I like the idea of there being a group like Linda. Yeah. Um, yep. that's, that loses its way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then when it rediscovers its way, it realizes that maybe that wasn't the right way to be going all along. Right. To begin with. Um, yeah. I want to make sure we talk me... about Linda a little, cause I have some things to say about Linda, but. Well, and I, I, I made me remember Clive. <laughs> And 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 why Clive wasn't a part of Linda? Right, you, I'll erect a memorial to uh, Colin, and you can erect a yes. memorial to Clive. Colin and Colin and Clive. Colin and Clive. That's we're gonna write a paper we, on Colin. And we Clive. hardly knew that, you. Characters, <laughs> first name only characters who died in the first um, episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I just I. You know, Clive would have no, been a but, Clive would have totally been a member of Linda. Maybe he was before Elton joined, and then he. Well, and I was gonna, I was gonna say. I mean, we get, we get the episode in which we see Clive. Yeah, we the see autom- that Elton. Right. I mean, Elton was there, like he. Clive may is in have the next building, right outside. Being shot. This, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely some some different things there. I want to throw out one more thing. Okay. You talked about um, Ursula and her face and the the, the um, concrete uh-huh. and all of that. And you crushed me when you told me that she is not the face of Bo. <laughs> and and I just have to say that I was I was momentarily at least totally really convinced, con- yeah. convinced that she. I mean, I. I I had some arguments as for why I might be wrong. So I wasn't like a hundred percent, but I was, I was like, there's, there's a preponderance of evidence here that she could be the face of Bo. And, 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 uh, one, just the look of her, like without her glasses. Oh, she's a total match for the face. Um, (laughs) I did. Yeah, I didn't like, I totally did not put pictures side by side and look at them in any sort of way to make that comparison. Um, Oh man. You know, the the counter-argument is that the face of Bo is supposedly a he, but, uh-huh. you know, you never know. I mean, he's been around a long time, or she's been around a long mm-hmm. time. Maybe just the gender got and, forgotten. And, and I think I mentioned that there was something in the long game about Bo celebrating the birth of some little Bo mm-hmm. children. So Bo's gender may be questionable to begin with. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, and, and, and then the... Um, idea that she's long lived or or at least um right yeah y- y- yeah y- 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 i forget exactly the way the doctor yeah she like it or says she's... like she'll never age or something yeah 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 right so um definitely some ideas there yeah. um although there's some size issues of course uh-huh. if she were to be the face of bow maybe she bloats over time uh-huh. um but you told me that definitively that is not the case no. and I should give that should up right away. Give up your hope. But um it's a good thought. It's a good thought. I was so convinced. Yeah. <sighs> but anyway. Um so 
I, I feel like I've rambled a bit, <laughs> but those are the reasons why I like it. I mean, and, and, and the story I agree itself, with too. you. I agree with you. Um, I like it for all those same reasons. I think most of us agree that the Absorbaloff isn't the greatest monster. And I think just mm -hmm. the question is, to what extent do you let that get in the way? And I think for some people, it gets so much in the way that they can't enjoy the episode and other people yeah. well it's it's just not the best and and it's only in the last 10 minutes anyway I mean, and there's so much else going on that it's a forgivable you know little yeah, the absorber bump loss, in the road. not the not the best monster but i mean there have been plenty of monsters that were not the best monster right sure. i mean like we we've certainly seen yeah other... i think i think the slovene and the absorber loss scrape the bottom of the barrel in terms of yeah. the well and they're from twin planets and they so. are rexico I, and i screwed it up uh -huh. now. oh look at that can you say it i've been practicing rexico very nice and and yeah. what's its twin planet clum or clum <laughs> right clum 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 heidi clum no clum clum um clum yes yeah. yes uh right i i yeah, don't the... i think we can safely say that those I think I feel pretty confident in saying that we will never get as um, annoyingly kitschy monsters yeah, again yeah. as those two. Um, That's good. Yeah. I yeah. wish I could say that for Buffy. I'm not sure <laughs> that I can. And um, there may be some that come close, but I think those are the two. Those are the two on the bottom level, and everything else is a progression upward. So. Have they have they ever let a nine year old design another monster? No, no. Okay. They well. they let they let a kid design um something else, um mm. and it's pretty good. Um, oh. Okay. So, but it was a much better choice than a monster. I think they decided not to go that route again rather wisely. Yeah. 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 Um. Anyway, so. Uh oh, where to begin though? Um, well, I mean, we've talked about the format, structure, tone. I know. Uh, I mean, unless you had anything to add to sort of why I said I liked it for well, for all the structure guess, and stuff. I mean, but. I guess the only the thing would be to kind of keep going with that and and kind of what Paul Cornell said about um it being an exploration of fandom. Like, there's this meta element to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um and. The one thing I was going to say about Linda, I mean, I don't know that the individual characters, they're kind of good little supporting characters. I mean, they're not hugely three-dimensional necessarily. There's not a mm -hmm. ton we can say about them. Um, but my maybe my favorite thing in the episode is the little montage when he first joins Linda and they're going through mm -hmm. all their different fan yep. reactions to the Doctor. I love mm -hmm. it. So... Mr. Skinner doing his mythological analysis. So the doctor isn't a man. He's a collection of archetypes and he's got a flip chart <laughs> with the king and the stranger and the fool and the trickster. And you get this little snapshot of him doing the kind of literary analysis that we as Doctor Who fans no. are doing every week. No. Um, I love it. And, uh, you know, Bridget, the anthropologist is looking at the TARDIS and how it's, you know, crops up through history and what it means. And then Bliss has an artistic response. So she creates this abstract sculpture to represent what the doctor could, might, or should represent. And what he never won't never represent. Never might won't represent. And so 
I just love that um, <laughs> they take us on a little tour through like the stock fan reactions to something right, that you right. love. And then by the Talk end... Talk about archetypes. Archetypes, archetypes and, and yeah. creating fan art and doing all these different things. And then yeah. um, and then it becomes friendship and they want to share food and they want to you know, tell each other their life stories and they start to play music right. and you get the sense that it starts as something very <laughs> specific and just evolves into like this whole community, which I agree with Paul Cornell that that is... A very, in like 30 seconds, they do like this beautiful little portrait of, you know, a fan culture and like sort of mm. what it can do for you and kind of yeah. how it, it provokes people to respond creatively and everything. Um, I like that. That well, little it, montage is my favorite section of the episode. It, it, and, and, and how it evolves from you know, connection on a single point to fulfilling, you know, yeah. multiple, uh, things for, mul you know, for different people. Yeah. So like, it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, that's really good. Um, man, but I still can't stop thinking about Clive. No, I want, I want I him wonder to be what like Clive's contribution would have been. Yeah. <laughs> or like if, if you said, if he was there, um, the interesting thing about Linda, because I think you're right, I don't think we need to go delve into all the characters. I mean, obviously Elton, because he's he's sort of the focus character, yeah. and Ursula, who um, is his friend, uh -huh. and um, potential to become more there. Um, but like, especially with the others, like you find out that that there are other reasons, right? So Bridget, her daughter disappeared, not due to aliens, but due to drugs. Yeah. Like, and so this it didn't start out necessarily even that she was obsessed with the doctor or whatever. It, it kind of became her way of coping. Um, and bliss, you just kind of get the sort of feeling like her art, she needed somewhere to go, yeah. you know, for that. And this happened to be someplace she could do, um, you know, what, what she wanted without people kind of really judging her, yeah. you know? Um, and Mr. Skinner, I mean, he's, you know, he's, yes, he studies mythology in the way that, like, Tolkien studies mythology by making his own. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you find out that he's writing his own novels right, yeah. and, and doing his own, um, you know, doing his own sort of thing. So, and then and then there's Ursula and, and, and Elton as well, which we'll get into. But I, I think I think it's sort of, yeah, like, it's, you know, they're there's the coming together. There's the common thing that brings them together, but it's, it's, it's the other needs that they each have. And then, you know, sort of finding out that, Hey, this is, yes, it's a particular group that came together for a particular reason, but like they, they're all still folk, right? They're all still people. Yeah. They're just, yeah. um, you know, they, they need that sense of community um, beyond just that one thing that sort of, initially brought them together and that's why i think i you know as much as i don't like the absorbaloff i do think that victor kennedy mm. is a good character yeah um you know at least until he turns into the absorbaloff <laughs> um or at least we see him as the absorbaloff um because i think that goes to show how you know having a sort of the singular purpose um ends up actually, you know, being corruptive mm. to community. It, 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 you know, it, 
it's one thing to say, oh, you know, we're going to get together and talk about this particular thing. But if you become obsessed in the way that he does and in the way that he forces that, oh, remember your goal when you formed Linda. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but why does something that you did, I don't know, months or years? I'm not, right. I'm not even sure like how, yeah, I'm how not long really of sure. a passage of time we're dealing with here. But um, the, the, why does what we started out doing have to define what we're doing now? And that's sort of the realization I think that Elton ultimately comes to, um, you know, when he, when he goes back and asks, tells uh, Ursula that they're going out to have, yes. you know, dinner together. Um, you know, but, but I think that's, uh, he, yeah. So he, re he represents the corruption sort of, of that mm -hmm. community, yeah. um, which is funny because it, the corrupt, the corruption is too much adherence to the thing that brought the community together. Well, in the first and, place. and you talk about like obsession, you know, and, yeah. and that's the one aspect of the absorbable that I do like because absorbing, right? Like it, like mm. it, that everything you, doesn't he say to Elton, like everything you wanted has been absorbed like his whole life becomes consumed by the doctor really um which is kind of what he wanted but not really you know like it wasn't mm -hmm. you know he the the doctor was a gateway into this community which like you say then fulfills other aspects of more important aspects of his life um mm -hmm. and by the end it ends up destroying everything um and and I am never really sure. the the, the end of the episode is so. Do you, is it happy or sad? You're not quite. Yeah. Not sure how to feel it's about both. It's both. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I like that kind of idea of like Kennedy coming in and completely taking over and you know absorbing them for real. Like they thought they were obsessed before, but this is like true obsession, right? <laughs> like mm. and it makes me think of that Tolkien quote like um you know, he that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the yeah. path of wisdom that they they wanted to learn about the doctor, but suddenly when Victor turns up, it's not about thinking about the doctor, it's about catching the doctor, which that was right. never the goal. The goal was to sit around right, and, right. and theorize about what the doctor might be, but Victor comes and mm -hmm. we're going to catch him. Um, mm -hmm. And so that suddenly becomes a different thing. Um, so I agree. I think the Kennedy character is really important for sort of like bringing in that contrast to the group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and it he doesn't become part of the group. He yeah, exactly. takes over the yeah. group. You know, it 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 becomes his group mm -hmm. versus their group. Um, yeah. So, oh, man, and we don't have a whole lot of no. time left. Um, I think, I mean, without going through like sort of all the whole evolution of Elton, I do want to definitely, uh, you know kind of go there where, where you're talking about at the end because you know we get that monologue part where he you know he talks about well it turns out i've had the most horrible things happen and the most brilliant things he he quotes stephen king yeah. of all people um salvation and damnation are the same thing um and he talks about the, well, and so the, here's like the the oblique angle on the doctor, right? Mm -hmm. It's he, he he talks about um, 
you know, not not knowing what that meant, the salvation and damnation are the same thing. Because the, the doctor might be wonderful, but thinking back, I was having such a special time just for a bit. Had this nice little gang, and they were destroyed. Mm. It's not his fault. It's not the doctor's fault. Um, maybe that's just what happens when you touch the doctor. And then he goes on to ruminate about Rose and Jackie mm-hmm. and how much longer they have. And of course, we're on episodes ten of season two so like you know you're coming up on the end of a season you've got to sort of be thinking like is there is how how portentous do you take that you know um is is there something coming uh you know in the last couple episodes here that's that's significant um yeah and i and i like that end for capturing both sides of the doctor's character which is that he is wonderful but he storms into your life and changes it forever and then mm-hmm. flies away. And um, so, like, it, it's almost, you get to see that more, that's why the Dr. Light works so well, because you can't see that through Rose. You have to see that through Elton or through Jackie, through the people who, like Jackie says, get left behind um, mm. and sort of have to live with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, obviously, you can't help but have a lot of empathy for Jackie in this episode. Um, and and not, I think she, you know, I think she holds up really well. Like she yeah. has the kind of Mickey, oh poor me, I'm left behind moment. Oh, but she's she awesome. says exactly. <laughs> she she phrases Mickey exactly because it's never me, right. is it? Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's almost exactly what Mickey says. Yeah. It's never going to be me. Yeah. It's, you're never going to choose me. And, and, um, I still think Jackie, I like her better when she well, says it and, than when Mickey says and it. And I think but, she earns, she not only says it, but then she undercuts it because she doesn't make it about her. She knows that it's about the doctor, really. And it hmm. becomes about protecting them, both of them, for Rose. So it's... Yeah. Right. It, there's that momentary disappointment that it's not for her, but when it boils down to it, it's about whatever you want, just get out because, mm-hmm. you know, she's protecting them. So I think we like Jackie maybe a little bit more because she's being a good mom. She's protecting her kid um, mm-hmm. and even maybe protecting a relationship that she's iffy on because of what it means to her kid. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, going back to Elton, too, you know, that, of course, that's sort of the point where he's, like, suddenly seeing everything in a new light. Like, he's, yeah. you know, starting starting to realize. And, and like, you even get that moment of, like, no, it, it started out about the Doctor, but actually, I, I like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do, I do like you as a proper mate. You know, I like Ursula over there as mm-hmm. something different than a proper mate. Right. But, you know, I actually did come to like you i mean it was about the doctor which you know is what happened with linda as well you know it the whole the whole group started out that way it was about the doctor and then kind of moved on but that's the question is it can you move on Mm -hmm. can you move on from or or is being touched by the doctor even for a second yeah even for a second damnation and salvation all at once right it's a good question it, I guess we is. may may find that out. I don't know. Maybe we won't. I I think that's an ongoing question. I think that's the question sure. of 
the doctor is who is he and what is he and what is his the nature yeah. of his relationship to these people and, that and he what is he yeah I, I, it, 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 we get the great um turn of turn of the oh, usual yeah. phrase here yeah. when elton says dr what, dr. what? <laughs> yeah. um i i thought that was great yeah. it's so it's it's very sly like i missed it actually the first time i watched it yeah um, and then, and then in the second time, yeah, I'm like, oh, huh, well, you don't, funny. you don't think of it because that's probably what you would say, you know, mm. like you probably wouldn't, I mean, I guess you would say Dr. Who, but like, I feel like it would be just as natural if you said, I'm going to see. Yeah. Depending how it was phrased. Yeah. But right. you don't ever think Dr. of it because what? you're so used to the pun. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. No, they just kind of slipped that in there. I thought it was good. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so much, uh, so much in there. I know. Well, we're at, like out of time, and I feel like we skipped all over the place. Is there any? We did. Is there anything I, in I particular mean, we want to make sure to hit? No, I think. I mean, you know, there's a lot of little funny parts that in <laughs> yeah. the london investigation <laughs> mm, detective, detective agency, agency. Uh, no i mean there's there's some small parts like that um it, you know i guess ursula we didn't talk about a whole lot mm-hmm. the biggest thing there obviously sort of being her outburst when uh victor threatens to hit elton with his cane yeah. and and she you know has a almost a, a, a willow like you know yeah. um sort of standing up yeah, um, yeah not for herself but for the one that she maybe loves at that point mm-hmm. like we're not quite sure what what their yeah relationship is at that point but uh um and and the little you know one-offs i had to work very hard she keeps everything close to her chest <laughs> it's a hell of a chest um you know yeah i also like yeah his, no, uh... it's, that makes me think of my other favorite line is funny the things you think of with your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, um, apparently this is a universal experience or I don't know. Although I don't know how much we're supposed to read into this, but she talks about, you know, having Mickey be her mate right. to do all the handiwork around the house. Like, I'm going to choose not to take that in a creepy way. Oh, in a... yeah. I I wouldn't take that in. No, I think that's your daughter's boyfriend. And when your washer's broken, yeah. he's... And he's a mechanic. Um, oh, okay. So he's handy. Um, and now she doesn't have yeah, to guess, fix stuff. I guess, yeah, I you're right. I mean, I... I think it's just that little piece of... For the for the knowing fan who's been watching and knows that Mickey's right. gone, but Elton doesn't, it's a little bit of dramatic irony, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I don't think we're anyway. supposed to think that anything's going on that anything was going on between Mickey did, and Jackie. The the parallel left me wondering little more than maybe I I was supposed to. But okay. Yeah. That's I would I would not think about that. <laughs> I, I like I said I chose to take it in a completely ben- uh, 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 benign way. So anyway, no, I um I mean I like Ursula. Too bad she's only a face now. Mm-hmm. Although apparently they're still okay as a couple. Ugh, don't think about that. Last last no. ten minutes, we're not gonna we're not things things get a little iffy in that last Weird. ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. don't like that the doctor does that. No. That bothers me. That is out of character for me. Um, 
uh, because he's more apt to leave things the way that they happen. Yeah, I think he's more, and I think especially when it's when you're talking about someone's like everlasting fate. I don't see mm. the doctor, certainly not at this point in his development, going like just saying, you know what? Like I have a bunch of people who've. I mean, we see him ecstatic when he does save people, and that's in character. But, like, to kind of, she's fading away, and to force her back up into a piece of concrete and say, no, I'm going to fix you there for all eternity without even asking, that doesn't seem... From from Mm. the guy who says everything has its time and everything dies, you know, it seems a little... A little bit like it was for the joke at the end. And not a very good one of... The face in the concrete. Um, yeah. It's just not, not my favorite. But Fair enough. Maybe That's if she was fine. the face of Bo, it would, it would give that a little bit See? more significance. But I'm saying. I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no, I, I hear you. Uh, yeah, it's not. I just, I just wish that he'd let her go at that point. I feel like it could have been a very melancholy ending which it was anyway and we could have just left it at that um but that's just me i see what you're saying um yeah no that's i think i mean we've hit the high notes anyway could probably talk about elton for a long time i know we could i know i feel like we kind of bebopped around elton and didn't really yeah I'll just have to go big, and big watch. absorbing creature from out of space, and you have a go. <laughs> That's oh, and and yeah. you you can't beat a bit of ELO. And I <laughs> I do love the use of Mister Blue Sky. That it's yeah. that it the the episode follows Mister Blue Sky with such like joyous dancing around the room at the beginning. And by the end, you get that very you know sorrowful orchestral ending which is like i just like the way that the episode follows that song um yeah that was a good choice so yeah mm-hmm. a lot to like i'm glad that you liked it and i was expecting a text that said what the hell or whatever <laughs> like but uh, i'm was very pleased when you weren't joking yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see um, what he says about Rose and Jackie. How much longer have they, do they have until they pay the price? Pay the price. We'll see. We will. We'll see. All right. Well, until then, I suppose. Yeah. Or at least until next week. Next week. When we talk about some more of this. (laughs) Um, All right. Have a good week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. All right.